Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. God has standards of holiness uh, for those who profess to be His followers. How many of you have in the past or do at times struggle with your language, with your with your speech? And I don't necessarily mean cussing up a blue streak or whatever. Some of y'all may struggle with that. But I mean, like, how many of you ever had this thought? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? <laughs> Have you ever heard the old saying, to stick your foot in your mouth? Its meaning is that someone said something inappropriate and probably embarrassing. Well, we've probably all been guilty of that in the past and probably will be in the future. But as we're going to hear today, God has some expectations for His children and what comes out of their mouths. Ultimately, we're all accountable for what comes out of our mouth. That by itself ought to give us reason to kind of pause and think about it. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello again and welcome to Crosswalk. We're working our way through the book or letter of James in our series, Building on the Basics. In this series, Pastor Clay is going to walk us through the New Testament books of James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, and the book of Jude, highlighting the basics of faith, hope, love, and judgment. Today we're in James chapter 3, where the subject of the tongue takes center stage. A great question for all of us maybe to ask ourselves, maybe we need to ask it every day, just to ask, I wonder what my speech reveals about me. The truth is, our speech says a lot about what we believe. And as Pastor Clay will explain in today's message, we need to have a reality check about what our language is saying about what we believe. Thanks for joining us today for this very practical message for our lives. Now here's Pastor Clay. Hey, is it, uh, is it just me, or does it seem like the, uh, the politically correct police have just gone crazy in America? Is that, am I, and I realize, I mean, I'm, I could be, uh, uh, figuratively speaking, walking on, on a landmine, too. I've got to be careful. But, you know, is it just, does it seem like the politically correct police have just gone crazy in this country? I was, I was reading recently, and I don't know how recently this happened because I couldn't find a date uh, on the article, but I was reading that uh, five students in California were sent to the principal's office for refusing to take off. I guess they had other shirts for them, but refusing to take off or to change their uh, T-shirts that had American flags on them. It, it, any other day it was okay, but they wore them, and on the day they wore them, it happened to be Cinco de Mayo, which is a celebration of Mexican Independence Day. Now, listen, that's fine, okay, I, it, uh, but I, I could, might could understand that if I was in Mexico wearing an American flag on Cinco de Mayo, but it just seemed kind of crazy to me that that these five students couldn't wear a flag for their country, in their country, and they were told because it might be offensive to, uh, to other students who were celebrating uh, Cinco de Mayo. So I don't know, that just seemed a bit extreme uh, to me. And then, and then I was reading this, and I, and I brought this up because I wanted to get this thing, what they call this, this right. This at, at the University of New Hampshire. Um, the, uh, the president of the university was complaining about this is what they call it, a bias-free language guide that was posted on their website, University of New Hampshire. I don't know if it's still up there or not. I didn't, didn't go and see. But um, 
he, he, just, he just thought it was a little over the top. And one of the, one of the uh, bias-free language guide, one of the words listed on there they said that you shouldn't use is um, Americans. You shouldn't use the term American um, referring to people in the United States because that, that could be offensive to South Americans. And so you shouldn't say Americans. I don't is or not, but I just what it says. Um, seniors, you should not know. That's that's offensive. It's uh, people of advanced age is the way they have it listed on their website. I kind of thought that sounded worse than seniors, but I I don't I don't know. Rich people, you shouldn't call rich people rich people. Um, they are a person of material wealth. You know you know what you call a person of material wealth? A rich person. <laughs> um, a poor person. Is not, you don't call them a poor person. You call them a, a person who lacks advantages that others have. Uh, hey, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading it. <laughs> but I like, I like this. One of the uh, state senators there in New Hampshire said, well, maybe we ought to just change our motto from uh, live free or die to live free but upset no one. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, it just seems like maybe the politically correct police have gone a little crazy. But here's the interesting thing. Way before the politically correct police came along, James, the writer of the book that bears his name or the letter that bears his name, really has something to say about the language that we use and what is appropriate and what is not appropriate for the language that they use. I wonder if I show of hands. Yeah, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Show of hands. How many of you... Uh, have in the past or do at times struggle with your, with your language, with your, with your speech. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, you know, cussing up a blue streak or whatever. I may, some, of y'all may, some, of y'all may, some of y'all may struggle with that. But I mean, just using it inappropriately or saying something or, you know, it's like, how many of you ever had this thought? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? <laughs> right? Okay. Well, yeah, I think so. Open your Bibles to James chapter 3. Time permitting, we're going to work through uh, the entire third chapter of James with a couple different ideas. Uh, the predominant thought is this idea of the tongue or, or your speech or your language. It's a very practical application that you can see kind of coming out of chapter 2. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But, uh, but let, let's, we're going to start uh, this morning uh, with this idea. We're bu- building on the basics, uh, walking through James. Let's talk about trash talk. The reality of your speech, okay? Got your uh, Bibles with you. James chapter 3, we're going to read uh, first uh, verses 1 through 12, okay? You with me? You going to stay with me? <laughs> that's, uh, that's fine. Speaking of speech, um, no, never mind, let me go ahead. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let each, uh, or let not many of you become teachers, my brethren... Knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, well, he is a perfect man, able to uh, bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, 
and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of Reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening, both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? Or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Trash talk. The reality of your speech. Let's talk about the reality of yours and my speech. Now, if you happen to be with us last week in chapter 2, that latter half of chapter 2, you may remember, because uh, uh, I kept saying it over and over again, because James seems to keep saying it over and over again, but this, this predominant thing comes through uh, in, in James chapter 2, in that latter part especially of James chapter 2, where uh, James contrasts the difference between a person who says he has faith and a person who shows that he has faith. He says he has faith also, just like the other person, but he actually shows that he has faith faith. He doesn't just say it, he shows it. James draws this, this uh, contrast and he keeps saying over and over again, and not to rehash the entire last week's message, but to, to sum it up, I, I put it this way. A professing faith that is not a producing faith is in reality a dead faith. That's really what James seems to be saying over and over again. To profess that I have faith, but to not see anything produced from that faith, James says it is dead. There is no life in that faith. Or uh, to put it another way, the way I said it last week, a saving faith brings a redeemed life and a repurposed life. And that's, that's that whole uh, equation thing that we, we talked about, that it's not, it's not faith plus works equals salvation. No, it's faith that is authentic and genuine and living faith that it, it redeems me, but it also repurposes me. It gives me new direction in my life. It gives me uh, a, a, new, a, a new purpose. You see, it's, it's not just about, well, I, sh I shouldn't do this, and I, and I shouldn't do that, and I, and I shouldn't do such and such, and I shouldn't go here because now I'm a, I'm a Christian. Now, now I'm a Christian. It's true that God has standards of holiness uh, for those who profess to be his followers. But it's more than that. It is a repurposed life where, where now, where before the purpose of my life was whatever. It was me, it was, it was my family, it was uh, make as much money as I can or, or get a sea or, you know, go on vacation. It, but it was, it, was, it was about me, you understand? But when I come to Christ, now it's repurposed. Now the purpose of my life is to, is to know him more deeply, show him more uh, effectively and more personally, that that becomes, really becomes the purpose of my life, Okay? Uh, that was kind of this, this last week. And so one of them, so it kind of, you can see how this natural progression takes place as he moves into chapter 3 because he moves into an area w which would be a natural application of, 
a, a faith that actually produces, a faith that actually does something, one of those areas is your tongue, your speech, your language, that it is one of the ways that you show that you have faith. And so uh, James walks through some realities here about the tongue, about your speech. And I want to just bring uh, those, uh, those realities to your attention this morning. Okay? He starts, let's start with this one. Here's the first reality of your speech. You are accountable for it. You are accountable for it. Would y'all, would y'all say, 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 I am accountable for my speech. We say it together. I am accountable for my speech. Now, when, uh, when James, in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, when he says, uh, not many of you, brethren, brother, not many of you should, should seek to be a teacher. I, I'm sure that that verse has caused more than, than a few people to turn away from the idea of teaching in the church. I'm sure in, in the church, I, I don't just mean like up here, I'm talking about uh, small group gatherings or, you know, discipleship or anything like that. I, I'm sure that that verse that many people, oh no, you know, it says in the Bible that not many people should, should seek to be teachers. Listen, that was, <laughs> that was not James' intent, okay? He is not trying to uh, keep you from teaching. The emphasis, in fact, is not really on not teaching. The emphasis is on not teaching incorrectly and and then, and even you can add to that, because he's talking about this faith that works, not teaching one thing and then living another thing. Y'all, y'all know what I mean by that? Not, you, got, you got that, right? So the emphasis really is, is on not teaching Im, improperly. And James does say that there will be a stricter judgment for it, right? I mean, he, he says there, there's a stricter judgment. Now, part of the judgment would be, you could understand, it'd be just, just because of volume. In other words, if I stand up here this morning uh, and as I'm, as I'm speaking to you this morning, I'm going to say more words in the next hour than you are. And so in that sense, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing more out there. And so there's naturally then more I'm accountable for. But, but even more than volume is the content of what is being, what is being uh, taught. When I stand up here, as I stand up, well, or sit up here uh, this morning and, and break open the word of God to you, I am essentially speaking for God. I'm not claiming to be, you understand, I'm not claiming to be God. But, I, but when, I, when I break open the word, I am essentially speaking for God. <laughs> I'd better get that one right. I, I, I'd better make sure that I put the time in to, to properly understand, interpret, and then expose the text to you, to the people of God, because I'm accountable to God for that. And listen, I, I love what I do. It is a joy to get to, to teach the Word of God. There is nothing else, truly, there's nothing else on the face of the earth I would rather do than what I get to do. But there is an understanding that I'm accountable for what I say, what I teach, and what I do. Now, you can understand, that would apply not only to the, to the uh, preacher, pastor, teacher that stands up here, but a, a person who would teach in a life group setting, uh, parents who would be teaching their children, and you can think of a lot of different ways that it would apply. But beyond that, it, there, there's getting to this idea that ultimately all, we're all accountable for what comes out of our mouth. That, that while it may be a stricter judgment, the implication is there is a judgment, there is an accounting for what we say. So first reality is this, we, that we understand that, that we're accountable for our word. That uh, by itself ought to give us reason to kind of pause and think about it. Okay, here's another uh, idea. Uh, not, not only are you accountable for it, but it is powerful. 
speech, your, your tongue, it is this powerful, powerful thing. In verse 3, uh, James begin, he can, begins to throw out all these uh, metaphors, all these analogies of the tongue. And it's, it's obvious that he is, he is wanting to make sure that he uses this one, he uses that one, he uses this one. He's wanting to make sure that, that nobody in the room misses the point of what he is trying to say. It, 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 it's that important. And, and he, he starts out and he begins to talk about this, the bit, the bit that's placed into a horse's mouth. I think we mentioned that, talked about that even a little bit last week or week before last. That this bit, it's really just a small little thing. Have you, any of y'all ridden horses or you, you've seen... The bit is really just a small thing, but the, with this little bit that you can control, this entire big animal, you can, can direct it left or right or make it stop or do all this kind of... Shit. So, you know, it's, it's a little thing. A bit's a little thing, but look what it can do. And then he moves on to a ship. He says, he says like, a sh- like a ship. He said, a giant ocean-going ship. It's huge, and, it, and it's driven along by these huge, these, these uh, strong winds that blow it along. But he says, but yet it is controlled, it is steered by just this little rudder, which relative to the ship, it's just this little thing. This little rudder at the stern of the ship directs and controls uh, this this big ship. So then in verse 5, brings it up and he says, so also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. It is a powerful thing what the tongue can do some of you have heard these words we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness those words inspired a nation to fight for its liberty just a few words on a page oh by the way don't think of it just as the words that come out of your mouth. It could be a letter. It could be an email. It could be a tweet. It could be a Facebook post. They are power, powerful words. And, and, and anything with power, you guys know this, true. Anything with power has to be respected. You have to understand the power that is contained in what, whatever it is that you are holding. In this case, it is the power of speech and the tongue to do good and to not do good which is the next reality, it can be destructive. This, this little thing, this tongue, can be destructive. Look what he says uh, in verses, uh, last part of verse 5, verse 6. Behold how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Well, why don't you tell us how you really feel about it, James? It is the destructive power of the tongue. And it's such a small part of our anatomy, right? Unless you're the bass player for Kiss. It's such a small part of your your body right but look but look what it look what it can do a cigarette just casually thrown out a car window Uh, a small campfire not quite fully extinguished a single match and tens of thousands anybody seen the news this summer tens of thousands of acres maybe hundreds of thousands of acres can be can be scorched wildlife destroyed homes and every single belonging that a person has gone in an instant. 
lives lost. All because of what starts out as one small little flame. James says, that's, that's the tongue. Oh, it's such a small thing, but oh, how destructive it can be. How many of you in this room have been deeply hurt by something someone said to you one time? Let's turn it around. How many of us have deeply hurt someone sometime because of just some little casual remark that we made or some smart aleck, just a joke, just a funny thing, but we found out later that it deeply hurt someone? Oh, it can be such a destructive thing the tongue. And James says, man, that's a reality. You have to recognize how powerful this thing is and how then it can be used for good, yes, but it also can be used for, to be so very, very destructive. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's go on. It can't be humanly tamed. It can't be humanly tamed. James, uh, I don't think, could be any clearer about it. Uh, when he, when he says, for every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles, creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Now, the point here is not that every creature on the face of the earth has been made into a pet. That, that, that's not the point that James is making. The point he's making is that, is that nature, creation, the, the wildlife can be, or when need, it be, need to be, has been tamed or, or p- controlled by mankind, that mankind has the ability to do that. But James says, no man has the ability to tame that tongue. It is a restless evil. It is, it, it is uncontrollable. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. So you just need to understand that in your own power, in your strength, you really can't tame this thing. And I know that we say, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to ten before I speak, or I'm going to do this, or we have the, you know, I'm going to really try hard, or we're going to do whatever. And that's great. You know, that's fine. But you know what? You know this is true. Sooner or later, something's going to come out. Sooner or later, you're going to say something. Sooner or later, you're going to engage your mouth before you engage your spirit, really. And it's going to come out, and, and there it is. And one of the things about... The, the tongue about speech is that you, you, can't, you can't really get it back, can you? I mean, once it's out there, it's out there doing its destructive behavior. And I, I know we can say our sorry, we're sorry and we should. That's a word we certainly should learn to say and I was wrong and all that kind of stuff. But still, it's out there. Still, it can inflict its pain. Still, it can bring the hurt that it can, can bring. It, 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 it is the tongue. It is, it is powerful. It is destructive. And you cannot tame it in your own strength, no matter how much you think you can. Again, whether it's a Facebook post or a or a tweet, or, a, or whatever the case may be. It can't be tamed, humanly speaking. And then uh, one more, I think. It is revealing. The tongue, your speech, is revealing. And I think picking it up in verse 9, he says, we use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father. Like today, we, we, we we use our tongues to, to praise our Lord and Father, even in this place. Or maybe we do it in, in, in conversation with somebody. But then we curse people whom God made like himself. Praises and curses come from the same mouth? My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. Do good and bad water flow from the same spring, my brothers and sisters? Can a fig tree make olives or can a grapevine make figs? No. And a well full of salty water cannot give good water. This, this, where James says here, these things should not happen, 
uh, or as the New American Standard put it, these things ought not to be. He's reminding us, he's, he's being the speech police at that point. He's saying, hey, listen, if you identify with Christ, if you say that he is your God and that you place your faith in him, then there, there's no excuse for you, you know, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, you know, singing something. And then, and then, hey, y'all hear about so-and-so? We need to pray for them. I heard they... No, he says there's no place for that. It doesn't, doesn't belong in the body of Christ. And, and if a person is that, if a person conducts themselves in that way, if they say they have this faith, but, they, uh, but, but their speech does something else, James says it's very re- revealing. And it's very, very revealing. And, and it's revealing in, in, this, in this sense. Uh, look, look at these listings. Do good water and bad water uh, flow from the s- same spring? Uh, that would be a No. Can a fig tree make uh, olives? Uh, that would be a no. Uh, can a grapevine... It missed the guitar. Can a grapevine make figs? Yeah. Uh, negative ghost rider, the pattern is full. Can salty water and fresh water come from the same... Do, do you think James is trying to emphasize something here? Do you think he's trying to draw this contrast between a person who says that they have the good of God in them, they have the, they have the power of God, and they've been redeemed, and, and yet this is what's coming out of them? James says, that's absurd. Bad water and good water, salt water and fresh... No, no, that, that, none of that. That can't happen. He said it's very revealing. Here's what it's revealing. It's revealing uh, either an unregenerate tongue... This is what I, I believe. It's either revealing an unregenerate tongue. And by that I mean, in other words, a person is not, has not accepted Christ as their personal Savior. They've never come to Christ. And therefore, what comes out of their mouth is, is natural. It's, it's, what, it's, it's just what comes out of your mouth, right? Nobody has to teach you to gossip about somebody, do they? Nobody has to teach you to, uh, to, to fly off the handle at somebody. In, in a, nobody has to teach, you know, th- that's just the natural man. That's what naturally comes out of you. And if that's what comes out of a person, that, that's, that's who they are. Uh, it, it's either an unregenerate tongue or it is an uncontrollable, uncontrolled tongue. There is that possibility. While James makes it clear this is not the kind of speech that should go on or come out of the life of a believer, the truth is sometimes we, we don't do a good job of, of allowing God to control uh, certain aspects of our life, including our tongue. Sometimes we, we take control in our flesh and we throw it out there. So either way, it's, it's not good. Either way, it doesn't belong. We, we shouldn't have it in there. It's, it's, it's revealing something about a spiritual problem in our lives. I, uh, I, some, I think I've told this before. Some, uh, this guy I used to work with in the post office. The guy's name was, was Harold Barfoot. I never forget his name. And it doesn't matter. He, you wouldn't know him. This was many, many years ago in another place. Um, but uh, Harold uh, just had the, really, one of the foulest mouths I've ever been around. And it wasn't like an anger thing or whatever. It's just like every fourth word was a cuss word that came out of his mouth. That was just his, his language, his dialogue. He didn't, he didn't know. That, that's just all he knew was just to talk that way. And, um, and I was kind of new in my, my uh, walk and my faith at that time. And, and, I, and I, when I was convicted, I needed to share Christ with Harold. And so I, I, the opportunity presented itself and I began to share about Jesus and what he'd done in my life or whatever it was, however it was I said it. And he looked at me like in shock, like, like in shock. And he said, and he said well, I'm saved. 
Now that came as a shock to me because there was nothing in his speech or action for that matter. There was nothing in his speech that indicated that this is a man that walked with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't, something not adding up is what James is saying. You can't have salty water and fresh water. You can't have, it just doesn't work like that. It, it can't work like that. Uh, I got a, look, Colossians chapter 3. Look, look at Colossians chapter 3. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, uh, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. That would also be speech. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off. Look what he says. You've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. That's what you're supposed to have, have done. God's doing this work in your life. So put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You're growing in this, but you're understanding that God is changing you into the person he wants you to be. James even hinted at this earlier up in James in chapter 1. He says, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Notice how James ties emotions, and particularly the emotion of anger, to the tongue. Can I get an amen? Can anybody, can anybody relate to how in anger we've, we say stuff? And James says, no, 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 it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't belong. You, you shouldn't have that in your life. Okay, so it's, it's these realities of the tongue. So let's say you're sitting there or you're listening to this message and you say, well, I, I know I've got a bit of a speech problem and I, I know I've given my life to Jesus, but I, boy, I've struggled in this area. Uh, I, I talk too much, I learn not, not talk about people, or I let language come out of my mouth that probably shouldn't be coming out of my mouth. What, whatever the case may be, you're sitting here and say, okay, what, what do I need to do? Uh, well, you remember earlier that I said that, that, that a saving faith it gives us both a redeemed life and a repurposed life? Well, part of that you could apply to your tongue, a repurposed tongue, a re, repurposed speech in your life. So if you're going to get there, if you're going to do that and you say, well, I want to change. I don't want to be that way. I want, here, here's what I'd say that you need to do f- uh, for a repurposed tongue. First, repent. Repent. It, which just means you, you just need to own it. You need to own your sin. You need to own where you've struggled in that area. You need to take responsibility and say, God, uh, I, I'm not honoring you talking this way. God, I'm not honoring you talking about this person. God, I'm not honoring you. Uh, can I say this too? It can also, I mean, it can be whining or complaining or, you know, all that. God, I'm not honoring you in this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't want to talk this way, God. Own your sin. Repent of it. Just admit it to God. Ask him to forgive you for it. And the great thing about God is he does. We genuinely repent. I know repent, may, that may sound like an old-fashioned term, but, but it's still a good one. That's still a good word. Repent. Second, restrain. Now, remember, we already said, James already said that you cannot restrain your tongue. You cannot tame this thing. But what you have to do is ask God to restrain your tongue. Listen, do you think God would rather you be, you be using your speech for good things, God-glorifying things, people-building up things? Or would God rather you use your tongue to, to tear people down or, or save? Right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, God wants you to succeed in this area. So that is a request that he is going to honor every single time. If you'll ask God, God, restrain my tongue, pull back the reins of the bit on my mouth. God, shut me up. God, do not let me go down that path. God, at the water cooler, when they start talking about this or that. God, when, when, when my neighbor brings up this or that. God, when this, ask God to restrain it. And watch him bring conviction into your life when you're about to say, oh yeah, I heard. And, God, and just in that moment, God will speak to you. It's like, what? And you, and you just stop and they say, what, what, what? Oh, 
nothing. <laughs> I'd better not go down that path. Or it might be okay just to say, I, I won't be glorifying God if I, if, I go into that, if I go in that direction. Restrain. Third, retrain. You, you need to retrain your mouth. Uh, God is actually doing this, you understand. But, and technically, it needs to start with your retraining your brain. You've got to retrain your brain. In other words, to, to, put, to begin to put the Word of God into my mind so that the, the power of God can, can bring the Word of God out of my mouth. You understand? And I'm not just talking about just quoting Scripture, you know, which is never a bad thing, by the way, uh, to, to quote Scripture. But it's just the idea that, that thinking God's thoughts after him, that, that, that this is what comes out of me, rather than going down that gossip trail or that slander this or that evil that or that whine about this or that, you know, I don't like this or I'm angry about that. Rather than go down those, those trails, it, it, is, it is God retraining me to begin to talk in a way that glorifies him, builds others up, and actually draws people to him as a result of that. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? That, that God, again, God will retrain your, your brain, he'll retrain your, your mouth, he'll retrain your tongue if you will allow him to, if you'll ask him to and genuinely desire for him to do uh, just that. And then, uh, and then one more, uh, respond. Uh, it, it's, it's, really, it's really very simple. Uh, all you got to do is, is just respond the way Jesus would. <laughs> it's really a very simple thing. It's just respond the way uh, Jesus would. Hey, hey, uh, WWJS, what would Jesus say? Somebody ought to make a little bracelet and put that on there. And listen, don't, it, that doesn't mean, now listen, because sometimes people think, well, oh, so I, can never, I can never tell somebody what they're doing is wrong, or I can never uh, confront sin, or I could, no, it doesn't mean that. Jesus did that plenty of times. How do you think the woman at the well, how do you think the woman at the well felt, John chapter 4, when Jesus said this, he said to her, go call your husband and come back here. The woman replied, well, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, right you are when you said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. This you said truthfully. Listen, do you think, I'll bet it didn't feel good to that woman for her sin to be exposed and just, just, just put out there like that. But I'm convinced that Jesus didn't say it in a, in a gotcha kind of way. Matter of fact, I suspect Jesus said it in a I know what I'm going to do for you kind of way. With compassion. With a desire to see that, that woman's life change so that she's not just, just giving her life, giving her body, to who, that, that, that God has something greater so it doesn't mean necessarily to say that, that it doesn't mean we're going to never confront or never say, but I think there's a way to do things that, that can be in a Christ-like manner that we can say to folks. Speech. I, I, I'm going I'm to kind of shut it off here because I've got more to say about how the latter part of chapter 3 and James moves into that. But clearly the emphasis in the majority of chapter 3 is the tongue. Speech. And what we do with it and whether we glorify God with it. And what I found, at least in my own life, is that, that I, I just, that if I'm not careful, I don't think about that. I don't, I don't think about whether I'm glorifying God or not glorifying God. I'm just off talking. I'm talking about this or I'm talking about that or I'm on this subject or that subject without ever really slowing down to think and say, now, wait a minute. But I have found that, that if, if, you will, if you'll own your sin and say, man, I know I've blown a lot. And if you'll, if you'll go to God and, and ask him to restrain your tongue and to retrain your tongue 
uh, that God will do just that. He'll, he'll repurpose your tongue and he'll, he'll cause you to use it in a way that glorifies him and honors him and builds others up and edifies. You, can I tell you this, a secret that y'all already know? One, people like to talk about themselves. We like to talk about, we like to share about our life, our adventures, our problems, our whatever. That's, that's a natural, I understand that. But people also like to talk to somebody that, that can actually or wants to actually build them up, wants to actually turn whatever's going on in their life, can, can, can direct them and say, listen, I, I know this is hard on you, but God's got a purpose. God's got... People want to, to engage in somebody, with somebody that's like that. A, a authentic faith, James says, it produces a redeemed life and a repurposed life, and that includes our speech. Uh, listen, a, a great question for all of us maybe to ask ourselves on at least a time-to-time basis. Maybe, maybe we need to ask it every day. But just to ask, I wonder what my speech reveals about me. Well, it's easy to see from today's message that our talk and our walk say a lot about what we really believe. Using our speech in a destructive way doesn't honor God, and it could be pointing out a spiritual problem. As Pastor Clay explained today as he closed out his message, followers of Jesus don't always say and do the right things. But if the Spirit of God dwells within us, then He desires to change our talk and our walk into something that honors God and builds others up. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.